Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. See. Good morning. It is good to see everybody. Let me say welcome to all of you joining us online this morning as well. As we are in week two of our series, Thy Will Be Done, that we started last week. And uh, we're looking at the traits of a disciple. And uh, today is the call to grace where we're going to look at Thy Will Be Done in grace to us and through us. Um, and if you're new with us, we're honored to have you with us. We're excited that you're with us to worship this morning, to learn through God's Word this morning. A couple of things that I want to... Today's a special day. Uh, I want to pause just for a minute and, and share just how special it is. Today marks the two-year... Uh, mark in our journey and for the kingdom. And so two years ago, we started a journey in an expansion of our campus to minister uh, to, to all people in every area of life. And uh, today we are at year two of that for the kingdom journey by God's grace in us and through us, uh, as we have been celebrating since the beginning of the year, we're debt-free uh, as we've started this process. Amen. And we've begun. Amen. Yeah. And we've begun the process of saving money each, uh, each month along with all the continued contributions that are coming in for the next phase of our journey uh, because we've made a commitment to not go back in the debt, uh, that we will stay debt-free, we'll raise the funds before we move any uh, farther forward. And we know God can do amazing and incredible things as we've been sharing, as we've been celebrating with everybody. Um, there are In the seats in front of you, there are these uh, little card packets if you would like more information information. Um, if you'd like to know more about what's happening, you can grab one of those. If you'd like to join us, if you're new and you're new over the last little while, if you'd like to join us on this journey where, again, our vision as God's given to us is to see all people, no matter, no matter what they're going through or, or where they are in their faith journey, uh, come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord into their lives and to see Jesus minister in every area of life because we believe he does. Um, and so these cards that you would see, they will give you an opportunity to join us and they'll also give you a picture of where we believe God's leading us. And the next part of the first phase is to raise the funds to build a new family ministry center and to renovate this space with uh, with more classrooms with more seating to accommodate more people that they may come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and so we've said holistically we want to 360 degrees shine a light of Christ into every area of our lives and that's why every time that we come in and when we leave uh, or that if you're here throughout the week you see a lighthouse in our lobby and you see that light uh, shining in our lobby to remind us what we believe God wants to do here on his campus for his glory so so thank you to all that you have given, that all of you have prayed and, and shared and invited others to be a part of this. We're truly, we truly are grateful to be in this together as we see a, a work that God can, only God can do, that his uh, 
for his kingdom come, thy will be done, right? So if you have questions, if you want more info, uh, please stop by the Connection Center, the welcome desk, uh, or check out the TV in the lobby. It will give you uh, some more info as well. So we're very excited. We're, we're starting now year three into this journey. The other thing is, is a couple weeks ago, uh, our February trip went to Costa Rica, our team went to Costa Rica, and we've now completed the work of a highlight video that we, uh, that we share every time that we get back from one of our trips down to our sister church. And so we want to share that with you this morning, so check this out. If it's bandaging the broken Washing filthy feet Here I am, Lord, send me When I'm standing in your glory I'll be glad I chose to stay There is so much more that happens on a trip that it's really hard to compile a couple minute highlight video. I'm sure you can understand that, but those, these trips and, and what God's doing in our partnership with our sister church and just continuing to build that relationship deeper and deeper. It's, and we, we're starting to describe these trips as going to see family, our extended family. And so we try to do that as often as we can, just like you probably do with your own family. And so we have another trip coming up in July. Uh, the registration for that has closed. We have 34 of us going in July. Amen. 
So begin praying, if you would, for that team as they prepare. And if you're interested in going, we still have another trip going later in the year in November. And if you're interested in that trip, there are packets in the back on the wall or stop by the Connection Center if you have any questions, all right? If you want to continue to pray for our partnership, we would really love that. If you want to give towards the Costa Rica ministry, you can do that online as well. Or, or you know, again, if you want to consider going with us, we have trips. And we'll start announcing trips for next year here pretty soon. All right. Now, again, last week, two places we read, thy will be done. One in the model prayer that Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, the other in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26. So as we prepare our hearts and our minds for Good Friday and Easter, which will be here really soon, uh, we see Jesus in the garden. And he models for us, as we mentioned last week, this call to a surrendered and humble obedience as he spoke, not my will, but thy will be done for us. All right, And so, so as we looked last week, we said to be a disciple in, in, in responding to the call that Jesus has, one of the traits that will be true of us is a humble, surrendered obedience. All right, a humble, surrendered obedience. So last week, as we talked about to, 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 that we live with Jesus, to live like him, last week it was to live with Jesus, we live a life of surrendered obedience. Today, to live like him. To live like Jesus, we're going to do that in and through grace in our lives and through our lives. And so one of the greatest characteristics or traits of someone who follows Jesus as a disciple is that they live a life of grace. And so the text today that we'll look at is in Matthew chapter 9. So if you have a Bible and you want to join me in Matthew chapter 9, the disciples are going to learn as we're going to learn the great truths of grace. And as you're turning there and before we get into our text, let me take just a second and define for us uh, so that we have an understanding. I, I can't go into the even, you know, there's so much that we could do with just the word grace, but let me define it. There's two parts to grace that we find in Scripture. There's what we know as undeserved merit or undeserved favor or unmerited favor, as we say. And then there's strength for living. So un undeserved merit, undeserved favor. God is a God of grace. Our eternal lives depend on that. Uh, none of us would be saved if grace were not undeserved favor, not unmerited favor. And, we're not, and if it wasn't a quality in, my, in the mind of God and in the heart of God, in the nature of God. We see this in Romans 5 verse 15. And we'll have them on the screens. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So that gift comes to us, so the gift of grace, which is a free gift, comes to us through Jesus Christ. So, so that's one definition and understanding of grace. The other is strength for living. Uh, grace is not only a disposition or a quality in the nature of God, but it is a, a strength or an acting of God that works in us to, to change our capacities for work, for suffering, for obedience. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So that is a work of grace. So, so when we bring these two together, we get, again, a much bigger definition and understanding of grace to us and through us. A merited favor of God to me in Jesus that overflows in powerful, practical helpfulness from God out of me, right, in our daily life. All right, now, 
Let's get into our text. Here's some context. Up until this point, Matthew has been recording Jesus' teaching, authoritative teaching. He's been showing and recording Jesus' miracles. He's been showing and recording Jesus' healing, his loving, his leading. He's been been showing that, that Jesus has been demonstrating and proclaiming the truths of the kingdom of God. And we pick up now in, in Jesus' call to Matthew into discipleship, to become a disciple of Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so what we're going to see in our text is three grace-producing actions. And as we see those, there's going to be a warning, all right? And these actions, as we look at this, are going to be progressive. So the order of this happening is very important. And here's the first one. Grace overcomes. Grace overcomes. This is a work in us. Grace overcomes. You look back at our text, verse 9, first verse. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting, where is he sitting? At a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. In, in the corresponding book of Luke, retelling this moment in the call of Matthew, in, in chapter 5, verse 28, he adds, leaving everything. That, that Matthew left everything and rose and followed him. All right? So so Matthew, as a tax collector, was considered the worst in the eyes of his own people. He was was a traitor. He was defined as a traitor, as a a collecting for the the enemy Rome. He was defined as um, just a hated, lowest of low, greedy, self-serving extortioner. That was how you would label Matthew. That's what he was in his job and what he did and the actions that he produced throughout his life. That's how people saw him. That's what he was known as. And as the disciples looked on, you can imagine this those that were now walking with Christ, and they looked on and they see what's happening. This person, this greedy, godless Matthew, was not someone you'd want on your team, right? That's why what Jesus says is such a beautiful picture of grace. And before we get too judgmental about about the other disciples not wanting Matthew on their team, let's remember, let's remember that we do that too. We look across and we're like, no way they could be a part of God's kingdom through God's grace. That's why this is such a beautiful picture of grace because Jesus in teaching us and showing us no one's ever too far gone. As we think about grace, our past and grace, who we were before we met grace, before we met Jesus, right? So grace overcomes. It gets past our past. We all have a past. 
a past we keep like scrapbooks in memory. It includes emotional moments, relational moments, experiential moments, uh, spiritual moments, vocational moments, mental moments, right? Some good or some, and some are bad, right? There's some good of our past. There's achievements. There's success. There's those kinds of things that, that we believe are helpful to us in the present. There's, then there's the bad of our past, the failures, the mistakes, the brokenness that is sometimes hurtful to us in the past. Sometimes our past helps move us forward in life. Sometimes it holds us back in life. At least that's how we see our past. But here's the truth. And this is so important. Except in the presence of grace. You see, the good things that we have done in success or achievement, the prestige that we have maybe accumulated, do not move us closer to God. Do not move us closer to God. He's not impressed with our good works done through our own ability. And the things, and, and here's the flip side of that, because that might sound, man, that's harsh. Here's, here's the flip side of that. The things that we have done in failure... The rebellion, the things that we have done that, that would, we would look upon ourselves and that's a displeasure to God, that those things that would maybe make us say that, that God could never accept me now does not move us farther away. That's where grace, that's why when we see this, grace overcomes. It gets past our past. Grace welcomes us in given to us by God through Jesus Christ. That's the free, unmerited favor. Again, Romans 5, we just read that. He can call our name like he called Matthew, and we can stand up and respond. Nobody stands up in the presence of God without grace. Nobody stands in the presence of God apart from grace. Grace overcomes. 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us, and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not, this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So again, sometimes we find ourselves focused on the past, whether it's the good things, wondering if that, if that you know, gave us credit towards you know, the, the relationship with God. And, and then, then it's the bad things, thinking there's no way God could ever love me or care for me or, or redeem me or rescue me. I'm too far gone. I mean, when we look at the, the as, as we just read Paul's words about grace, right? As we look at Paul's life, like he would know this truth. He would be another great example. If we, if we know anything about the life of the apostle Paul is that, is that before his encounter with Jesus, he was a persecutor of Christians. He, you could even say he was a killer of Christians, right? He persecuted those disciples that were following after Christ. And, he, and in his encounter, because grace overcomes, it becomes a leader of Christians. Most of the New Testament is written by Paul as the Holy Spirit inspired him. So you, you could look at his life and go, well, yeah, because he was so far gone, it's such an extreme example, right? Well, I'll give you another one. Peter, another disciple of Jesus. And Peter was walking with Jesus, 
right? He, he followed Jesus. He was a fisherman, right? He, he left the nets and he followed Jesus, right? And he was walking with Jesus. And what happens with Peter's life is that as we get to the crucifixion, Peter denies Jesus. Here is someone who was with him, right? He been walking with Jesus. He failed. So even as a Christian or disciple today, so this isn't just a message for those who are outside of the faith. This is a message for those who are inside the faith because we never get over grace. Grace overcomes. And in, in Peter's failure, as he was with Jesus, what happened? Jesus called him. On the shoreline, as Peter was fishing again, after the resurrection, grace overcomes. We never get over grace. Do you understand? Do you understand that? I, I hope you do. Grace overcomes. It's one of the most beautiful truths in our life. Now that grace has overcome the separation in our life with God's presence, what do you do? What should we do? What should we always do when there's victory? Celebrate. It's what you do when there's a victory. You celebrate. I hope you do. And that's what happens here. The next point, grace celebrates. Grace celebrates. It overcomes a work as a work that's done in us, and then it celebrates. Matthew 9, verse 10. As Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Again, in the parallel book of in the parallel story in the book of Luke, Luke 5, verse 29, and Levi, who is Matthew, made him a great feast in his house, him being Jesus. And there was a large company of tax collectors, no doubt Matthew's friends, right? And others reclining at table with them. So Matthew, in his writing, he, he celebrates what Jesus has done for him and overcoming his past, present, and future that Jesus has brought victory, right, to his life so that he wants to honor Jesus. And what does he do? He ce he's celebrating this grace, who is Jesus, right? So he throws a party. Luke calls it a great feast, and there's tax collectors and sinners, or Luke calls them others, right? Matthew realizes what Jesus has done. It was by Jesus' performance, not Matthew's. Matthew had nothing in his performance or his past that would take him to a place saying that I should celebrate because I have victory, that I can be in the presence of God again for eternity. It was nothing of his performance. It was only by Jesus' performance that Matthew had a new position with God. His past was overcome. His future was now secure. And, and what, was he, what was he calling to do? What were we called to do? Celebrate in the present. We do well to celebrate and praise him. There's other examples in Scripture. Uh, the, the woman breaking the perfume bottle and rubbing her hair on, on Jesus' feet, celebrating Jesus' grace in her life. There's a story of the ten lepers, and, and as Jesus heals them, there's only one that comes back, and he's all excited. He's praising, he comes back praising Jesus and saying, thank you. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right, who was in, in the tree, and Jesus, what's he do? He, he, Jesus sees him seeing him. And Jesus calls him down. And Zacchaeus, he's, he's overwhelmed. He's overjoyed because grace overcomes. He's ecstatic. What does Zacchaeus do? He does the same thing Matthew does. He throws a party. 
We see this throughout Scripture, that when grace overcomes, there's celebration. When was the last time you and I celebrated grace in our lives? When was the last time that you paused, you stopped, and you truly celebrated God's grace, His unmerited favor in your life? When was the last time we reflected on how far God has brought us, which produces humility? When was the last time we reflected on all that we have gained in Christ? You know, the scripture says of disciples of Christ that we are co-heirs with him. When was the last time that we reflected on that? When was the last time that you chose to worship and praise because of God's grace overcoming? When was the last time you told someone else about it? God's work of grace in your life. Now, anytime this, this happens, anytime there is progress, there's obstacles, there's hindrances, there's friction. There's what I like to call ungrace. And we see this again in our text, verse 11. This is the warning, by the way. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, see when we celebrate grace and we, we invite others into that, there's always someone not happy with your happiness. You ever felt that? There's always someone not excited about grace in your life. There's always someone skeptical, cynical about the overcoming grace of God in your life. The truth is, though, we can do that too. We can lose sight of grace in our own lives when we begin to stop seeing others in grace. The Pharisees, some commentaries call them the separatists, right? Because they separate themselves. They look down on these people, right? That was the question. That was the framing of the question. They, they looked down on these other tax collectors and sinners. They were lawbreakers. They were dirty. They were not like us. They could not believe they, the, the sinners, were getting what, what they believed the Pharisees deserved, which was a presence at the table with God. And it produced ungrace. It produced judgment, condemnation, gossip, complaining, division. And you see that throughout the recording in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus' ministry here, not just in this particular instance. Sometimes this happens in the one place we all think it shouldn't, the church. It's why we got to be diligent. It's why we have to be diligent about our reflection and celebration of grace in our own lives because it produces humility. And if we don't, we'll drift away from it. And, and, it, and, and the more we move away from it, if we lose sight of grace in our own lives, we'll, we'll begin to stop seeing others in grace, which could produce ungrace, which works itself out like this. It begins with cynicism, 
It moves the bitterness, it moves the jealousy, and and we get angry, it produces anger, and then hatred. And listen, Jesus is nowhere in that. Nowhere. It is so important to keep us from falling into that deadly progression. To think that we could never be in error like the Pharisee. We have to be diligent in our reflection of grace, in our celebration of God's grace. And if that isn't happening in your life or you feel maybe you've drifted, repent. Remember grace again. Celebrate and extend grace to others, which takes me to my last point. Grace multiplies. Grace multiplies. Grace overcomes. That's a work in us. Grace celebrates because there's victory. Then it multiplies, which is a grace through us. Look back at our text again, verse 10. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. And we've already pointed this out, but but there's a party, right? There's a dinner. Here's the truth. The more we experience grace in our lives, which means the more that we pause to celebrate and, and understand what God has done in our lives, the more we want it for other people around us. And if we don't want it for other people around us, I'm not sure we actually understand it in us. You can't live out what you don't have within. Matthew invites all his tax collector friends, sinners over. Luke says others. Maybe he wasn't wasn't sure about calling them what they were. This is a perfect example of this principle. We look at Matthew's table, and here's the question, who's at ours? Who's at ours? Matthew invited his co-workers to Jesus. Andrew and Philip invited their brothers. The, the woman at the well invited the town. We see examples of living in grace and living out grace throughout Scripture. I've heard examples of your own testimonies and lives. That some of you, that's because of someone's invite. That in that moment... Thy will be done in grace to us and through us. Jesus says he came for sinners. Those who know they are in need of a Savior. Not the righteous, not the pride, not the proud who think they don't. Those who humbly understand they need a Savior. This is good news. He brings grace to all who would call upon his name. Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13. Jesus says this himself at the last of our text. But when he heard it, He said, and you notice he doesn't stop the dinner party, right? But he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is our charge. This is our proclamation as well. That that Jesus, in, in bringing grace to us, And being the ultimate healer, the eternal rescuer, that he can bring grace to you, right? That we get to be privileged in that work of God that's already blessed because it's God's work that he calls us and gives us the great privilege of proclaiming what we've experienced. It's called living on missions, missional living, and that's the the call of disciples. So grace drives us to celebrate and invite It moves us to forgive and reconcile, bless and be generous throughout our walk home until we're with Jesus because grace transforms. 
Jesus brings grace to us to work grace out of us. What a beautiful, beautiful privilege. Beautiful privilege. Let me finish with this story, and I've shared this before as we wrap up. This is a simple reminder of the grace of God in our lives. Alexander III was the the Tsar of Russia from 1881 to 1894. Consigned this order, so he'd written it out, and it, and it simply read, "Pardon impossible, comma to be sent to Siberia." Well, his wife Maria, she intercepted the notes, and she changed that prisoner's life by moving the comma in her husband's order. She altered it to, "Pardon, comma impossible to send to Siberia." In Christ, God has changed the comma that stood against us. Jesus moved the comma from pardon impossible, sin to Siberia, to pardon, comma, impossible to sin to Siberia. That's the good news of salvation. That's grace. That's what Jesus has brought. So one of the greatest traits of someone who follows Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is that we live, they live a life of grace. They live a life of grace. Grace to us and grace through us. And that's what we believe that this campus, as God has us, is to be about as we continue in the For the Kingdom campaign, to be a place that points people to the truth of the grace giver for his glory and our good. Let's pray. Father, God, in preparing this week, just feeling... the drift in my own life. To move off of and the failure to celebrate on the regular the grace that you have brought to my own life. And God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've let other things get in front of that, become a priority more. Because those other things are meaningless unless the grace is filling. So God forgive me. God, I'm grateful for the reminder today. And I pray for others 
God, if they're in this place or watching online that have, that have sensed the same thing in their own life, or on, that are on the line of becoming filled with ungrace, or maybe they've already stepped over it, God, that you and them would have an encounter this morning like I've had this week. We would re-encounter the same grace that rescued us, the same grace that stirs within us, the same grace that leads out of us. And God, if there are people, if there are men or women, young or old, that haven't experienced your grace, may it happen today. God, we know that you've presented the invitation for them to respond. So God, may they respond today. May they encounter and receive the grace that overcomes. May they, rec- may, they, may they know today that there is nothing in their past or their present that your grace doesn't overcome, that Jesus has paid it all. And there is victory in him. And God, help us as you lead our church forward with wisdom and clarity and discernment to be a place that extends grace, the grace of Jesus, and points people to him as the grace giver. And we pray this in his name.